What's up, Jays fans? Jahans Manica here, aka Canadian Rebel, aka Twelve, the host of the Welcome to the J podcast presented by the Field of Sixty Eight Media Network. Don't forget to like and subscribe for more content such as this, and also don't forget to download the Locker Room app where we have pre and post game shows where you can really be interactive with the host. You can request to speak, you can type in questions, and we keep the conversation going on that platform as well. Today we are here to kind of give a recap of what happened last night in the unfortunate loss for the Jays, seventy-seven to sixty-nine in Cincinnati against the Xavier Musketeer Basketball Club. Uh, a tough game for the boys. It just really couldn't get anything going offensively, or not enough offense, I should say, to propel them to a victory. We have to look at the lack of bench production. Uh, which really came back and hurt the Jays. The only player to come off the bench and score last night was Kalkbrenner, and he provided nine points off the bench. Everything else, the starting five provided as far as scoring is concerned. That has become one of the main concerns for the Jays over the last few games. There was games earlier in the year where we saw their depth really come into play. They had great contributions for from a number of different players, not only offensively but defensively as well. Unfortunately, last night that was not the case for the boys.、Uh, a lack of depth production, a, a, a lack of you know impact off the bench, really set the tone for the game. Where in moments, in key moments, where they needed someone else other than the starting five to step in, they just were not able to get those types of contributions. So, looking forward to you know the games upcoming on the schedule. Hopefully, that's something that. You know the coaching staff could get right.、Uh, we'd love to see more contribution from the guys coming off the bench. It doesn't necessarily have to be scoring, it, but it could be about providing more energy,、uh, playing key defense in spots, and obviously scoring、uh, certainly doesn't hurt either. Another thing that we must mention and talk about is the Jays' inability to defend Scruggs yesterday.、Uh, the guard for the Xavier Ball Club, who. Kind of had his way in, especially in key moments. He scored, he assisted, he rebounded. He really pushed the pace when he needed to, and he set up their offense when he needed to as well. This has been kind of a reoccurring theme that the Jays have struggled with, unfortunately, this season. Earlier in the year, obviously, we all remember the game against UConn when Book Knight had a tremendous game for that ball club, and against St. John's where Champagny, you know, had a blowout game against the Jays as well.、Um, For whatever reason, every once in a while, a guard, a guy who's a main ball handler, someone who really、uh, controls the the pace of the game, has an incredible game against the boys, and we haven't really found that perimeter defender that will really lock down, got lock guys down when those moments come.、Um, last year, it was Tyshawn Alexander. Whenever someone really got going, Coach Mack could rely on him to to. To stick that guy to really not let him get going anymore to kind of stop the bleeding per se.、Uh, this year they've kind of done it by committee. It's been DJ a lot. It's been Denzel Mahoney a lot. Last night、uh, Scruggs got going early and it was just a little bit too late before they they were able to put some clamps on him and and really start to slow down his production. By that time the Jays were battling an uphill battle、uh, and it was tough for him to get back into the game. So. If the Jays continue to face these dynamic guards who can do just about anything, and you know every team you know that's going to play at a high level has one of those guys, it could be a really difficult 
time for them. So I would hope that, you know, the guys get it together on the defensive side of the ball when they recognize that a guy has it going, that they pay much more closer attention to them and that they're able to slow the, or stop the bleeding before it gets too, too bad. Uh, in a bright note for the Jays, though, Marcus Zagorowski, congratulations, brother. Your first career double-double. Unfortunately, you came in a loss. But as I mentioned before in the in previous podcasts and previous uh, locker room sessions, that Marcus has really come into his own. He His confidence is back to where we expect it to be. Uh, he's leading the team. He's doing just about all that he, he can do to put the Jays in a good position to win. Um, and last night's double-double is obviously, you know, him being back in his element, him feeling comfortable, and that's a great sign for the Jays moving forward. He's such a dynamic player. He's one of those guys that can propel a team into the next game, especially in a one-and-done tournament such as the Big East tournament or the NCAA tournament. And, of course, my favorite Blue Jay this year, DJ Damian Jefferson, coming through with 19 points, 8 rebounds. A really stellar game from him individually. Again, unfortunately, it came in a loss. But it's good to see DJ staying aggressive, putting his head down. When he's aggressive and he's looking to score and he's driving a basketball, his confidence skyrockets. And before you know it, he's knocking down catch-and-shoot threes. And then he just becomes a crazy threat offensively in the half court. So good on you, DJ. Keep on keeping on. It's good to see that your confidence is up. It's good to see that you're back to being an integral part of the offense. And now we just need everybody the starting five, the bench, everybody to contribute uh, in order to, you know, keep build, getting these wins and building the resume that we need before heading into March. The next game for the Jays on the schedule, a rematch against Villanova. As we all remember, the Jays handled their business at home against Villanova, really made quick work of them, controlled the pace of the game the whole time. And it was an extremely important game for the Jays before they had an 11-day rest before the next game against DePaul. So this time it's going to be in Philadelphia, a very tough environment against a team that you would be previously at home. It's going to be a very difficult game. There's no easy games on the road in the Big East, especially not against a top five team such as Nova, who is so well coached by Jay Wright, as we all know. So though that is what we're going to be having our eyes on. The Jays on the road against Villanova on Wednesday, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I will be back to give a recap after that game, either on the Locker Room app or on this platform right here, the Phyllis 68 Media Network. Make sure to like and subscribe. Follow us for all of this beautiful Korean Blue Jay content. We'll get back to the show in a minute, but first let me tell you about our partners over at DraftKings Sportsbook. With March Madness being down our door, DraftKings is the best way for you to get a little action in on the game. If you have not downloaded the DraftKings Sportsbook app yet, what are you waiting for? It's the safest, it's the most secure, it's the most reliable, and it also allows you to safely deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. And this week, they're offering my listeners a pretty sweet deal. If you sign up now with the promo code FIELD68, that's all caps, FIELD68, you can turn $1 into $100 if one of the main event fighters in UFC 259 this weekend lands a single punch. That's it. One punch to turn $1 into $100. And don't worry if MMA is not your thing. DraftKings Sportsbook offers odds and promos on basketball, hockey, and whatever sports you're watching. But since they're basically giving away 100 bucks, 
you might as well sign up now, watch a little UFC, and remember to use promo code FIELD68. That's all caps, FIELD68. You must be 21 years or older. Offer available for a limited time only. Eligibility restrictions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Today, stepping into the J with me is our 13th guest. He's currently in his fifth year as a pro playing in Poland. He's also playing in Germany and Kazakhstan and in France. He represented Team USA in the Pan American Games where they won a bronze medal. And in that bronze medal game, he scored 18 points and 10 rebounds. As a Blue Jay, he recorded a total of 593 points and 317 rebounds. As a senior for the Jays, he averaged 11.2 points, 6.1 rebounds while shooting 70% from the field. He is the pride of Plano, Texas. Big <laughs> Jeffrey Grossell, the Texan, is in the building. Welcome to the Jays, Jeff. What's up, man? What's up? <laughs> man, how you been? How you living? I'm good, man. I'm good. How's Poland treating you so far? It's been, uh, man, it's been a hell of a year, man, because we're in, uh, we play in the Russian League, and we've beaten some big teams, beat Cheska Moscow. For those of you that don't know, Cheska's like the team. Big time. Big time. Big time EuroLeague team, one of the best teams in, in all of Europe. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I'm kind of, I'm looking up some of the stuff that you've done as a pro. Obviously, we're going to get into it, but, like, your development is something that I certainly want to talk about because, You've had the kind of traditional, slow, uplifting career, and now you're yeah. kind of reaching the peak of your powers, and it's just so wonderful to see from the outside looking in. Yeah, man, it's been, it's been great. It's been great. This year has been fantastic for me, especially. Been putting up some big numbers, trying to make a big jump next year. Uh, so we'll Speaking see. of big numbers... Do you want me to say it or do you want to say what happened last night in the game that you had? <laughs> My man, Big Jeff, put up 29 points, eight rebounds in a win. Man, like if you play in Europe, if you have played in Europe, you know putting up 29 points is a difficult task. So congratulations on that, brother. Like I said, like your career, it, feel, it feels like you're just reaching a peak of your power. So, I mean, yeah. let's get into it. Uh, I remember the first time that I met you was on your visit. And I remember thinking, yo, <laughs> this kid can really, really help us because you're a different kind of big that we had seen before. You were very agile. Uh, you were quick on your feet, uh, fast in transition. You ran like a deer. You were already strong. Uh, I think you were 17 years old when you came on your visit. And yeah. I was just like, yo, we need to get this guy to Jay's jersey for sure because I thought that you could really, really help our team, especially I was looking in the front court with uh, – Will Artino was redshirting that year, but we had Gregory Echenique and um, Kenny Lawson was about to be a senior. So I thought you, that you could really solidify our front court. Talk to me about your visit, what you remember, uh, just scrimmaging with us. And obviously, like, give me some of the reasons why you chose to go to Crane in the first place. Well, what, what sold me was the, what was then called the Quest Center. They showed me Hell the Quest yeah. <laughs> That's all I need to see. Yeah. <laughs> No, but uh, Coach McDermott is really the selling factor that got me. I mean, he put me in his office, told me, you know, what kind of role I could have, that kind of stuff. And obviously in my first couple of years, it didn't pan out with, you know, a bunch of injuries and stuff. But, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, playing for a coach like Coach McDermott was, you know, great opportunity and I, I couldn't have turned it down. That's one of the things I want to talk to you about for sure. Uh, you committed to Creighton. 
when I saw you, obviously in your visit and then preseason our off-season workouts, preseason workouts, you look so good. We get to around two days, and this is when the injuries start to kind of pile up and start to hold you back. Uh, you had the decision with the coaching staff to redshirt, uh, which kind of seems like a trend for some of the bigs at Crane for whatever reason. Yeah, that first yeah. year, like you guys really need that first year to get your feet under you. But yours really was a uh, mainly because of injuries. Talk to me about some of what those injuries were and what held you back from performing how you wanted to in your first couple of years. Yeah, man. Uh, the main injury was uh, my Achilles. I had some calcium deposits that were causing inflammation and just all kinds of mobility issues. And uh, ended up getting surgery on them. It took, I think, like I don't know, two years before I got the surgery and then another year after that before, you know, I got 100% and then went out to P3 and they got me right with some stretching regimen and some exercises that, you know, increased the mobility in my ankles and that stuff, you know, really, really helped in the end. But I remember, I remember one summer when you were getting your Achilles surgeries, like, obviously it's not a laughing matter. I fell for you, but bro, this was just so funny. You had two boots. You had two Achilles boots at once. Bro, and you like, used to try and play it off like they were just regular shoes. I'm like, bro, you can't just put your jeans over top of two boots and walk around <laughs> campus like it's all good. <laughs> bro, bro, I went to the bars like that, man. <laughs> I remember one time okay, when we went to Whiskey Tangle. Yeah. <laughs> bro, we were at uh, Billy Frogs, man. Man, I've that's hilarious. Hag, the two boots on, man. <laughs> bro, that is so funny because I remember like being like, Jeff, like, are you sure you're trying to step out with us? You're just like, yeah, man, I could do it. Just as long as I get there, I just have to sit down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, bro. <laughs> that is hilarious, man. All right, so you have all these injuries. Obviously, I know you want to contribute right away. Like I said, you decided to redshirt. What was kind of going through your mind, seeing our team? You know, th that was like some of the more successful teams too. I know you wanted to be a part of that success, but like the main thing that we needed you to do, we needed you to do was to get healthy. So talk about kind of the frustrations of having all these injuries always like setting you back. Well, it was more frustrating than like I can even explain, bro. Because I like I would call my brother like crying some days, like man, like. It's so miserable for me because I know I'm a better player than what I'm showing. I mean, I get up in the mornings and I can hardly walk. Like, I mean, how can I keep, you know, going on like this? And um, I even told uh, Z, I even told Isaiah Zierden, I was like, man, I think I'm going to retire, bro. Like, I, I can't keep doing this. And he said, uh, I'll never forget this conversation with him. He's like, man, you know, God has plans for you. Just like, just keep pushing, keep pushing. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be here today without that conversation with Z and those conversations with my brother, man. Like, mm -hmm. and it's, you know, I've had a hell of a career overseas, you know, ended up finishing out pretty decent at Creighton. And then, you know, mm -hmm. overseas made me a lot of money. So. Your story reminds me a lot of uh, current J Jacob Epperson, who yeah. kind of like you are big man, had to red shirt, a lot of injuries early in his career. 
I always try to relate, you know, some of the alumni to the current players, you know, because playing styles are kind of similar sometimes. And I feel like you and him, as far as that injury history, have a lot in common. What would you say to someone like that or, you know, anybody in that kind of situation where early in their career, they're just not showing their ability simply because injuries are holding them back? What kind of advice would you give to someone like that? Man, just just keep pushing, bro. Like, keep pushing it. You know, if he can find a way to get healthy, bro, the sky's the limit for him. I mean, mm -hmm. he's way better than I'll ever be. I mean, he's <laughs> yeah, NBA potential. To, to the max, you know, tall, long arms, catching lobs, blocking shots, skilled player. I mean, he's got so much potential. You just got to keep pushing, man. Every time I, like, he's hands down my favorite player at Creighton too right now. Yeah. Just every time he gets on the court, man, I'm, I'm rooting for him. And you can tell, like, the whole coaching staff's rooting for him. Everyone's pulling yeah. for him. Yeah. He got a chance to step on the floor against the fall last game. It was so nice to see him back on the court. Obviously, yeah. Jays handled their business. They're doing really well right now. Uh, yeah. How much have you been able to see this current Jays team? Obviously, like I know with the time difference, it could be kind of tough sometimes to stay up at night and watch those games. How much of this year's uh, Jays team have you been able to watch? I know with the time difference, it could be pretty difficult sometimes. But uh, how much of this Jays team have you been able to watch? And what do you think their potential is for this year? I think uh, this year, more than any other year, uh, I've been able to watch quite a few because they've had those afternoon games, which ends up being like a 10 o'clock game for me, which which is great. Uh, I was able to watch, I think they got one coming up on uh, tomorrow, right? It's yeah, on Saturday. Yeah. yeah, I'll be able to catch a little bit of that. Uh, I was able to catch the first half of the Nova game. I was able to catch... I feel like about half their games this year. This is nice, mm -hmm. more than any other year. So mm -hmm. I feel I feel like they got a lot of potential, a lot of potential, you know, hopefully make it past that uh, that second round that we keep getting stuck <laughs> at, man. Uh, we need to – I brought this up on our podcast like a ton already. I think I need to stop bringing it up. I feel like the more that I do it, I feel like I'm somehow some way jinxing them. So uh, – I, I just, I, instead of saying get past the second round, I just say be a Elite Eight team, uh, maybe a Final Four team, a Sweet 16 team. Let's just okay. say that instead of, you know, we got to get past the second round. Like, let's just not say that anymore because I feel like yeah. I'm just jinxing them every time we bring it up. Uh, yeah. We had Justin Pan on the podcast uh, before you. He was our last guest. He talked about his Richard year when he had to defend you, he had to defend Zach Hansen, but you in particular, he mentioned how he, he thought you were an NBA all-star because you were just giving him work. You were just much stronger, much more physical than he was. Like he, he didn't know how to seal or, or do any of those things. And he learned a lot of, uh, of those skills playing against you and defending you. Uh, I remember your red shirt year, another big man oh, doing no. something similar to you. <laughs> My guy, Gregory Echenique. I mean, yeah. he did it to everyone. I talked to Will Artino about it too, but he, he did he's that to everybody. He, he's, he's still, still yeah, he's still doing it. Shout out to Gian in Japan right now. Uh, I think he's going to be a father soon too. So congratulations Thank to you, you Greg. So kind of talk about, you know, the stuff that you learned from Greg as far as like that physicality that you have to play in day in, day out with. And obviously it's helped you in your career. And you also were able to teach that to the future bigs uh, who played in Korean after you. So, play at Korean after you, I should say. So talk about like some of the stuff that you learned from just the battles that UNG had in practices every day. 
Well, I learned from the best, man. I mean, there's nobody more physical than me. I mean, just look at him. I mean, yeah, massive. Yeah, still dominating down there. Uh, learned from the best. Also learned from, you know, watching Doug a lot, the way he seals. I mean, Doug's not necessarily the strongest guy, but he's like, especially in college, he sealed better than anybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, yeah, I learned a lot from those guys, just picking up little things here and there. And, uh, you know, I was able to use it against uh, uh, Justin a lot in practice and <laughs> frustrating for him, just like frustrating for me going against Greg. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, what a, what a career he ended up having after. Right. Uh, it's so funny because like JP also talked about like because he wasn't as strong as you, he had to learn different ways to defend, which obviously helped him out. Right. Uh, and obviously, like I'm look, I maybe I've been able to catch a couple of your games. I'm seeing the way that you move and all that stuff. Your defense is really something uh, that you've improved a ton, uh, like in that particular area. In my eyes, talk about like maybe a renewed focus on that end of the floor, or maybe some of the skills that you picked up over the years that have helped you out on that on that side of basketball. Well, there's there's been a few things. Uh, you know, last year in particular, I wasn't you know one of the guys that was the main focus offensively for me in France, really frustrating year for me offensively, but I had to focus more on the defensive end and how I can affect the game in that way. So, you know, uh, so I really had to step up my game there. And I've also, you know, I'm not the strongest guy. I'm a strong guy, but not the strongest. So I had to pick up a few tricks like pulling the chair on defense. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to be one of the funniest things I do because everybody falls for it. Everybody. I think mm-hmm. like, uh, I had to have done it at least 20 times this season. You think guys will learn. <laughs> they really don't. Yeah. Uh, just put, pulling like little tricks like that, little uh, uh, learning things as I go on and, you know, playing for uh, the coach that I have now, he's really defensively focused. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely been a, uh, uh, a focus of mine over the past few years. The Crane Bays in the last, let's call it decade, uh, from more of our uh, era of playing, have had such great success playing overseas. Like we mentioned G out in Japan. Kenny Lawson is out in Japan as well. You're in Poland right now in your fifth year. Uh, I think G's already 10 years in. I know Kenny Lawson's like 11 years in, if I'm not mistaken. And then uh, Will Artino, I think he just signed to Uruguay, you know, so there's a bunch of Korean bigs who, you know, they're not making the NBA particularly, but they're still making great money overseas. They still have a lot of success overseas like you're enjoying this year. What is it about maybe the culture of Korean that allows you guys to continue in your career, uh, to have success in your career, uh, you know, for, for you to be at the place that you're at today? Man, I mean, shout out to the coaching staff, Steve Lutz and Steve Marfelt. I guess Lutz isn't, of course, he isn't there anymore. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, and Coach DeVries as well, they really worked on us, uh, you know, low post skills, ceiling, post moves, and a lot of a lot of those skills translate to overseas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all of us run really well, uh, able to set – Lot of lots and lots of pick and rolls. I mean, that's basically overseas ball, and that's what Creighton does: pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll. And that ability to, you know, score on the move is, you know, it translates well. 
Let's talk about this year in particular. It's been such an unusual year, obviously, with COVID and stuff like that. Uh, not a lot of people know this, but you're kind of like me as far as like you love fan interaction. You love to get everybody riled up and all that stuff. Yeah. I I've seen it because I played against you when we were in Germany. So I've seen how you react when you score a bucket or when your team has a big play. How weird has it been this year to not have that fan interaction for you, uh, you know, in particular? Man, it's it's so different. I mean, it's it's crazy going into an empty gym and, you know, sometimes they like pump in the fan noise, which I absolutely hate. Yeah. I despise that. I absolutely hate that. It's, it's so artificial. It sucks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to, it all pumping in fan noises, it distracts you and it's not able, you're not able to hear like, Mm -hmm. because it's not genuine. It's just, you know, right. Crap on a speaker, but, uh, it's it's got its pluses and minuses not playing with fans though you're able to hear the coach like you're able to you know execute you know pick and rolls better uh defensively because you're able to you know call out the screens more and stuff like that and a lot of times in gyms you can't even communicate you know uh what ball screen coverage you're in if you're 10 feet away from each other gym's so loud you know so uh it's definitely got its pluses and minuses you know uh, being able to being able to hear the plays, that kind of stuff. As far as COVID is concerned this year, uh, like not a lot of people know that you're kind of like me in a sense that you love to interact with the fans, especially on good plays, bad plays, and all that stuff. I I'm very demonstrative about it. You're a little bit more low key about it, but I know it, it riles you up when you're able to get the fans to interact with you. Talk about how crazy this year has been with like no fan interaction, no fans in the stands, and this crazy COVID year that we're experiencing. Yeah, man, it's it's definitely different. It's uh, it's definitely got its pluses and minuses. Uh, you know, it sucks not being able to interact and and you know feed off of that energy, even if it's negative energy. I love you know fans booing me and and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they boo you. They boo you a lot. I'm sure. Bro, I, in Germany especially, man, I would go play in Bonn and every time they boo me. Yeah. They, right Uh, if it makes you feel any better i was not loved in germany either by opposing fan (laughs) that you know how i play running into ball screens and falling and all that stuff so the fans didn't really love me in germany either but the fans at home absolutely loved me doing geese so yeah. What a time to be alive. Oh, but I mean, I don't know if I should mention this now or later, but just remember that you're, you're 0-2 in your pro career against me. So, <laughs> Man, that was, a rough year. that was a rough year. Did I play against you my second year too? When, uh, you went back in to- Yeah, I went back and I think, yeah, you were with my boy Johnny, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There it is. Yeah. So 0-3 yeah. maybe. Because I don't remember losing to you when you were in Bremerhaven. So, hey, all right. I'll, yeah. I'll take an extra dub. <laughs> Bro, those are some rough years to start for. Yeah. Rough yeah. team. But, yeah. hey, look at where you are at now. So, you know, like, yeah, it's yeah. it's not an easy path. And I think people, like, kind of forget about that. Like, it's not ever an easy path no matter where you go play. I remember, like, some of our former teammates even were asking me, like, hey, like, are you your league yet? I'm just like, bro, you know how hard it is to make it to that yeah. level? So it's like, you well, just got to keep your head down league, and keep grinding. Yeah. Speaking of EuroLeague, we just lost our point guard to uh, Cheska. Right. Exactly. 
big, big head to our team. But we picked up your guy, uh, Skyler. Skyler. Shout out yeah. Skyler Bolin. Hell yeah. yeah. The, the whole Geeson team. And I'm still close to a lot of those guys. So it was just such a good time yeah. for me. Yeah. I want to go back to your senior year. Uh, like I mentioned at the top of the show, like you're up by far your best year, averaging 11 points, uh, six rebounds a game. Talk about maybe the vindication that you felt like, finally, I'm healthy. Uh, I think Maurice Watson was your point guard that year. And obviously, he was such a good distributor of the ball. He really made you look uh, good as well. So talk about like five years of frustration, injuries, wanting to perform, not being able to do it to the best of your ability. You're finally getting better and you finally get to show out at least for one year to those Korean fans who maybe had a bit of doubt about, you know, the kind of player that you were. And then you left them kind of wishing that they had a little bit more of Jeffrey. So talk to me about that last year and how what it meant to you. Man, I'll never forget uh, going into my fourth year before my senior year. They're not going into it. About halfway through, uh, Steve Lutz called me into his office. And, you know, I don't know if he was bluffing or not, but it definitely worked. He uh, uh, basically told me, like, hey, if you don't pick it up, you know, you're not coming back next year. And, you know, he could have easily been bluffing. But uh, right around then, I started to turn things around, started, you know, feeling healthy for the first time, feeling, you know, feeling good. I had, you know four or five games in a row where I was scoring, you know, 14, 16, 18, you know, uh, some really good, really good stretch for me. So I finished out that year really well, which felt, you know, amazing. And then going into my senior year, feeling healthy, uh, uh, finally, you know, you know, having the opportunity to showcase myself and maybe uh, prove to the people that have, you know, doubted me through the years that, you know, I can actually do something. And it was, uh, you know, amazing feeling to finally, you know, finally get on the court and show what I can do. That uh, junior year for you, not the best year at all. Uh, yeah. You guys didn't play too well. But like you said, it yeah. gave you a chance to really get on the floor and really be featured in the offense. That next year, senior year, you don't make it quite to the end of the tournament, but you do make it to the NIT. Talk about that run. You know, it, it's a postseason tournament. It's a highly Tyler tournament as well talk about that run and you know how it felt for you to end off your career uh representing Korean in the NIT yeah it was uh it was a great feeling I'll, I'll never forget getting selected for the NIT because you know not everyone's that excited but for me it meant another opportunity to play another game and you know how it is as a senior you know it's a very emotional time you're just trying to hold yeah, on for dear life. Like, yeah, I don't want to let this go. Like, I'm not ready for this to be over. And thank yeah. God I redshirted at the beginning or I wouldn't have even gotten that year. Um, but, yeah, it was such a surreal feeling to be able to play, you know, a few more games. Uh, didn't end the way we wanted to losing to BYU, but it was a good run. You've, like we mentioned before, I've had such a good – career so far obviously we're all wishing you the best and we wish that it continues for you talk about you know the different places that you've played at like I can only imagine what Kazakhstan looks yeah. like uh and actually you and Justin Carter both played on that team in Estonia right yeah. talk about like the different places that you've played at and maybe tell us uh your favorite place to play so far yeah man so I played in uh Germany for two seasons uh which was honestly my favorite place to live. You know how it is. They take care of you. Knees dope. 
Yeah. Yeah. Your money's on time. The basketball's good. I mean, great place. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I played uh, in the league that I'm in now. I went to Kazakhstan, played in the Russian VTB, and uh, that was definitely the most interesting experience. The president was a dictator, and it was <laughs> – they were, you know, spying. It was crazy. It was crazy, yeah. crazy experience. Uh, but Astana, the city – it's actually much, much nicer than, than you'd expect. It's not like what you see in Borat or anything like that. It's, <laughs> it's, it's nice. It's nice. It's like, a, it's like a little Las Vegas. The buildings are big. The lights are on. It's, yeah. It's, it's cool. It's dope. Uh, the food is good mm-hmm. uh, and cheap, too. Really cheap to live there. So you can live like a king for no money. I mean, it was, right. it was nice. And then uh, from there, I went to France. Had a really, you know, really shitty experience with basketball, but uh, which kind of left a sour taste in my mouth about France. I mean, France is a great country. I love going to Paris. I love visiting, you know. Uh, we went to Champagne, visited Switzerland while we were there. Um, yeah. Uh, it was a great experience, but I'll probably never go back just because basketball left such a sour <laughs> taste in my mouth, man. And then now isn't it such a crazy isn't it such a crazy thing how like different countries have these different styles of play and yeah. depending on who you are like how you like to play like it could either suit you or it could definitely not suit you at all like i would imagine for you you would going into that year in france you're just like man i'm in a big time country playing a high level basketball i'll be able to really showcase my skills here you get there and you realize the style of play is not conducive yeah. to how you'd like to play yeah, exactly. And the thing is, I had this deal, same deal that I have now in Poland mm-hmm. and to play in the VTB, all this stuff. And then I had the France deal last year and my agent was telling me and my agent was telling me, that, hey, you know, France really isn't the type of basketball for you. But the money was better. And I was living yeah. in France instead of Poland. So I was like, ah, right. whatever. I, I can play like <laughs> figure it out, you know, Uh and it was a mistake, but I learned a lot from that mistake. Learned, you know, mm-hmm. it's more important to choose a situation than necessarily money or even the country that you're going to live in. Uh, you know, I, I just spent a year in Kazakhstan. I was like, man, I don't want to experience another year playing in, playing in Russia. You know, it's cold. Like, I didn't want to experience that again. Uh, but this year, is, you know, treated me so well. It was a big mistake going to France last year. And uh this coach here is phenomenal. Zan Tabak, uh, he's played in the NBA for about eight years. Big guy, gives the ball in the post a lot. Uh, and it's been great for me. There's really three ways to represent your country. Uh, one of them is through government. The other one is through war and obviously through sports. You had a chance to do the latter in, at the Pan American Games. Uh, representing Team USA, that team was comprised of, you know, a bunch of Big East uh, athletes coached by uh, Coach Cooley at Providence, which, you know, I have mm-hmm. tremendous respect for. I know that you do as well. He's one of Coach Max, maybe best friends in the coaching ranks in the NCAA. So talk about that experience for you to put USA, you know, at the front of your jersey, to be able to represent your friends and family back home. What did that experience mean to you? And obviously you guys won bronze, so it wasn't, you know, the worst trip in the world. Uh, so just talk to me about that experience. First of all, shout out to that coaching staff and shout out to Greg McDermott for suggesting me for the team. 
Uh, Kevin Willard was also on the coaching staff. Uh, it was a phenomenal experience in playing for them. Uh, but as far as, you know, playing for Team USA, like that's something that I'll never forget. You know, I, I'll never forget, you know, being up there, even though we got bronze, uh, hearing the national anthem play, you know, something I'll, I'll never forget. And you know, who knows, in, in 20 years, I might tell my kids that I was playing with LeBron. <laughs> <and anything. You> know? <laughs> in 50 years, more of my you, kids are going to think I was, I was an all-star in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're an Olympian, all of that. All of yeah, that. You're yeah, on the yeah. Redeem team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, you could tell oh, them that man. you were the one who replaced Demarcus Cousins on the on the redeem team or whatever some nonsense yeah. like that. <laughs> instead of instead of plumbing. Uh, but yeah, like I said, that bronze medal game, eighteen points, ten rebounds. Obviously, ending that tournament on about as high as you can. Yeah. Uh, so you step up on the podium, you receive that bronze medal. What's the feeling that's going through your head at that particular moment? Man, it was it was surreal. Even though it was a Pan Am Games and wasn't necessarily the Olympics, but but for me it was the Olympics. For me, it, yeah. you know, meant so much. It meant you know my family was able to watch me. You know, I'm going to take that medal with me for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And uh, first of all, the game before that. We played against uh, Argentina, who's got uh, Compazzo, who's now Faku on the Denver Nuggets. Yep. Yeah, Luis Scola. I mean, that was we got rocked by them. I mean, we had a bunch mm -hmm. of you know, young kids compared to what we were playing against, but, uh, uh, but yeah, that that bronze medal game. It was fantastic game for me. Fantastic experience. Something I'll never forget. That's awesome. Jeffrey, thank you so much for taking a little time out of your day to step into the jail with me. Uh, just kind of like old times on the low. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually met my girl at the J. Oh, exactly. See, yeah. look, the J brought yeah. so many good memories for everybody. So it's, it's sad that it's gone now, but at least, you know, uh, conversations like this help hold up its memory for, for the time being. So yeah. thanks again. Uh, to the fans listening, don't forget to like and subscribe to the Philly 68 Media Network. And don't forget to download the Locker Room app for content such as this and for more content about college basketball from all of our various other hosts representing the alma maters. Jeffrey Grossell, thank you again so much, bro. Love you. We're going to have to catch up at some point soon here shortly. Mm -hmm. And obviously, stay safe. Uh, keep hooping. Uh, so proud of, you know, where you are. And I know that the sky is the limit for you, so... And when you see Skylar, give him a nice little, you know, elbow check on my behalf, please. And thank you. <laughs> All right, bro. Take care, man. Appreciate you. Thanks, man.